Hey everyone, for Friday, March 26, 2020, welcome to episode 59 of the Ginger and the Beard podcast. I'm AJ, aka the Ginger. And I'm Reese, aka the Beard. And on this week's show, we're joined by Kevin McElroy, founder and head brewer of Random Row Brewing in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's going well. Um, hanging out here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, ready to talk about beer, brewing breweries anything else you guys want to talk about cool. tattoos <laughs> yeah awesome man well <laughs> tattoos yeah <laughs> thanks for joining us man we're, we're definitely glad we can make this happen and uh i think we i think it was the windswell that I actually reviewed on an episode or two i lose count like three episodes ago or whatever and uh we're going to talk about that a little bit later on but you actually reached out to us after hearing our review of it to kind of explain a little bit, give us some some more insight into how that one was made. So I appreciate you doing that as well. And, um, you know, just to kind of jump right in, you know, we're excited to learn more about Random Row Brewing. So can you give us the Random Row elevator pitch? What makes you guys unique? Yeah, so, uh, you know, Random Row Brewing Company, we're, we're a small taproom brewery in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, you know, we like to think of ourselves as like Charlottesville's, uh, community brewery. Um, so I, you know, we're, we're a lot smaller than the typical brewery out there. Like we're, we're distributing we're getting ourselves out there, but we're still, if you come out to us, everyone like kind of asks, like, you guys like do everything here. Like, yeah, it's like, it's really small, you know, so we're able to kind of do some fun things, um, rotate our, our taps in the tap room. Um, and we're just like, you know, just starting to try and grow out into distribution. Um, so we're, uh, sorry, we're, um, you know, just, we're less than five years old now, so we're still relatively new. And, uh, when you think about it, um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, trying to get out there a little bit more now. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good, man. I I noticed that the five year anniversary is coming up pretty soon, right? September. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be five years in September. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to believe. What do you remember? What day in September? Uh, I think it was September sixteenth. I think was the day nice. that we opened. Um, I remember that Friday. That was a pretty crazy day. Uh, we uh. We opened at like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, but like people were like walking in at like noon. And I just remember <laughs> thinking that night, like, man, if we could just like be like this busy, like every day, like we're going to like be super successful. <laughs> and like, yeah. I think we did like, uh, I think we did that night in sales, like what we do on a typical week now. So if, if we had done that every day, like, like I probably would have retired by now, but you know. <laughs> Like the, 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 uh, it wore off a little bit, uh, of us being new, but, um, we're still, we're still doing pretty well, even, uh, all things considered. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm sure the success will continue. Uh, we were wondering, um, where the name random row came from. Is that any relation to a, a type of malt or anything like that? No, no. So I'm guessing you're thinking of, well, so two row malt is like kind of like the standard base malt. Um, but no, actually, um, the name Random Row is a, it's a historical neighborhood reference. So um, in Charlottesville, where we are, we're kind of like, uh, so you got the University of Virginia, which was like, you know, the city of Charlottesville was kind of built around um, the university. Um, we're about a mile 
um, away from uh, um, UVA. And that neighborhood that we're in was, so UVA was kind of built on like a grid, you know, with all the streets. And once you got a little bit outside of um, the university, the um, terrain kind of got a little rockier, a little more uh, hilly. And that grid kind of went into like all different directions. So the streets were kind of went into random rows essentially. Um, So that the, the name was like from like the 1800s, it's like a really uh, old um, neighborhood reference. Um, And then uh, people that live in Charlottesville now will probably be more familiar with the neighborhood Vinegar Hill, which is what random row then became known as. Um, And, now they ended up, um, that used to be like, a, uh, all residential, um, neighborhoods. And in the, uh, mid 1900s, they, um, tore all that down and built the downtown mall. Um, so where we are was kind of like on the edge of what was the random row neighborhood. Okay. So they don't actually refer yeah. to it as random row anymore. It's Vinegar Hill and it's more or less, you guys just picked it as like a callback to the historical roots of the area. Yeah. And like, it's funny because a lot of people like will come there. There was a, um, there was a random row restaurant, not like around the corner from us. And it's funny cause people will come in like people that are like in their fifties and sixties and they're like, Oh, are you guys like, you know, are you the random restaurant? We're like, no, no, that's just like, that was a restaurant. Like it's actually a, and those people didn't even know that it was like a neighborhood reference. So we would have to like tell them like, Oh, it's actually like a neighborhood thing. It's not like the, the random restaurant wasn't like ran, the original random row, but apparently the uh, random restaurant was the place to be in the eighties and nineties. So oh, cool. I've heard some stories about that place. Nice. Um, well, it certainly leads to a conversation starter, it sounds like, uh, helping people understand, you know, probably a lot of people are local when they're coming into into random room, uh, you know, the brewery. So, you know, help them to right. get the roots. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'd like to hear that. We've talked, we've talked a lot about like trying to find some of the old random row restaurant bartenders and like bring them in for like a random row night. That'd be cool. I'm sure we could bring in a big crowd for that, but. Hasn't hasn't come to fruition yet. Nice. Awesome. Well, how do you how do you how does it pan out like being that close to the to the university? Like, do you get a lot of college students? And I mean, craft brewing is all the rage these days. Obviously, some of those kids are too yeah. young to to hang out at the brewery. But right, um, do you get a lot of traffic yeah. from the school? I mean, I think the majority of undergrad students are probably hanging out at the the corner bars. There's a there's a, a strip right outside of the university called the corner um, where you can get your cheap, uh, you know, uh, domestic beers. Um, $2 we do lights. get a good, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we do get a pretty decent, I think uh, like a grad student crowd that comes out. We're a little too far away for like undergrads to like kind of walk to us. Like it's certainly walkable, but like there's so many other bars that they can walk to that are closer um, yeah, but the hospital, I mean, we, you know, the university hospital is right there and I think we get a lot of, um, business from them as well. So I think it's more like grad, grad students and young professionals that are, that are coming out, um, awesome. to the brewery nice. people, the kids that have had a taste of the good stuff and not looking right, for the cheapest, yeah. <laughs> right. Man, I can remember those days, like the $2 well drinks and 
you know, whatever is the cheapest oh, yeah. thing, give it to me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll learn eventually. Yeah, they'll <laughs> give us some, give us some time. They'll figure. <laughs> Once it they out. have a job. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of extra cash. Right. Um. So changing it up a little bit. Um. One common theme that we're seeing among some of the local brewers is that um they all had other careers in industry professions before brewing. Um, so your story fits that pattern and, you know, you previously worked in the medical industry. It sounds like you're still working in the medical industry as a cardiovascular, uh, perfusionist. I think I'm saying that right. Um, can you tell us what led you to this? Uh, well, I guess it's not technically a career change, but what led you into, um, brewing as, as well as career addition. Yeah. Career (laughs) addition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, uh, we moved to Charlottesville, uh, I guess shoot, 11 years ago now it's been that we've been here. Um, and, uh, that's, that's when I started homebrewing, um, as a, as a hobby. Um, it's kind of a funny story cause I was, a you know, I'm fairly avid golfer, um, growing up, I played golf in high school and for my, it was my, I guess it would have been my 30th birthday, um, we had just moved to Charlottesville and, um, my sisters, I have, I have three sisters growing up. I had three sisters and they all wanted me to, to get me something for my 30th birthday. So I was like, Oh, I could use like a new pitching wedge. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe instead of doing that, I'll ask them to get me like a homebrew starter kit. Cause I was like kind of interested in like, you know, starting to, starting to brew at home. So I decided instead of getting the pitching wedge that I would have them get me a homebrew kit. So they ended up getting it for me. Um, I ended up uh, going to the, we have a a local homebrew shop. Uh, It's actually like a quarter mile from the brewery. It's right next door to us. Um, So I ended up going there to uh, pick up my first uh, homebrew kit to to make some beer and I ended up running into my neighbor who I didn't know brewed at home either. And I was like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing here? He's like, Oh, I'm getting some stuff to brew. I was like, Oh, I'm getting your stuff to brew too. He's like, Oh, like, I didn't know you were a brewer. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not like, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get into it now. He was like, well, what's your plan? I was like, well, you know, I've got like this little pot. I'm going to put it on my stove top in the kitchen. He's like, no, 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 (laughs) get your stuff come over to my house. I've got a whole setup. You can borrow my stuff and then you can, you know, we'll brew together, hang out. You can take it back home and ferment it at home and do the rest, but you do not want to be brewing on your stovetop. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. So went over there, you know, brewed, uh, the first beer that I brewed was, uh, it was actually, uh, I think it was a dogfish head 60 minute, like clone that nice. I kind of just like picked all the, like all the uh, ingredients I'd researched in, uh, it wasn't a kid. It was just, uh, I ended up picking up all the stuff for it. Um, and you know, brewed it over there, brought it home. Like it actually turned out drinkable, which, you know, I know I hear a lot of stories where people are like, oh, I tried brewing once and like, it was terrible. I couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even drink it. Um, so it came out pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, like I just fell in love with it with, you know, the first time brewing and, you know, from there just kind of snowballed into like getting new equipment and, you know, doing more and more brewing at home. Um, and then, uh, you know, 
at, at one point. Like, so I, I mean, I brewed at home for five years before we, uh, um, decided to start the brewery. And, uh, uh, it was the, the, the story. Do you want me to continue the story? Like, this is going to like take up a lot of the, a lot of time oh, here, man. but yeah, um, go definitely go for it. So, so yeah, so, uh, my business partner, Bob, uh, I worked with him at the hospital. He's a physician. He also was into home brewing. Um, and he had had some of my beers. This is, you know, we're talking three years down the road now from my first time making something. And, uh, he was like, you know, we should, we should start a brewery. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like that's what <laughs> everyone wants to start a brewery. It sounds great. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. You know, that was kind of like, you know, you're crazy. I was like, no, 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 really. Like, like I know, I know people that can like, we can get together. And so two years, fast forward two years later of him doing this over and over to me, like, no, 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 really. Like we should, we let's start a brewery. Um, so finally he convinced me to say like, all right, you know, this is, this might be something that we can do. Um, so we, uh, ended up, uh, inviting some people over to his basement. I brewed five beers, had them on tap at his, in his basement. We pitched, pitched our idea to start a brewery. And a week later we had, uh, you know, we had the funding to get started. So, wow. Um, nice. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So that's, I feel like, that's kind of, I feel like all good breweries start in a basement. Like, wasn't mm -hmm. it, was it Dogfish Head or was it, um, oh man, this name's escaping me now. Fat Tire. Or not, or not Fat, New Belgium. Um, one of those, one of those, I yeah. can't remember which one it is. They, they talked about starting in a basement as well. So they probably both did <laughs> probably. And I Either actually, a basement and, or a garage. <laughs> and I actually, the, the first beer I brewed, I can, I can say I actually brewed it in a bathtub. I didn't technically brew it in a bathtub, but I fermented it in a bathtub. So I can tell people like the first beer I made, I made it in a bathtub. People can take <laughs> out of that too. <laughs> so it, so it fermented in the bathtub or did it? Shower. Well, I was like Your in carboy a, was in sitting. a carboy sitting in the back because I was like knew like if this thing explodes, like I don't want it like exploding in my closet. Like I want it exploding in the bathtub. Like smart, but, yeah. So technically, it was made in a bathtub. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool, Breakfast man. Breakfast champions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we're we're glad that he encouraged you to to do it. I'm sure that's probably a weird thing, like. Well, shoot, man! Like me and me and Reeves, like, dude, we should start a podcast. Like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Like, we're just like joking about it. Like, not really, man. I think we could do it. I think we should we could start a podcast. And like, well, I don't know. It was like a month later or something. We recorded our first episode. Um, so it's pretty cool yeah. how just a half halfway joke sometimes leads to a real thing. In your case, a full blown business. So pretty awesome, yeah. man. So and, I mean, and AJ mentioned last year before his birthday that he wanted to always like brew. So I bought him a, a beer kit for his birthday and bought myself one too. So we actually brewed our first beers last yeah, year. What was it? Mine was mine. I have one left actually, and it's gotten better with age. Um, it was a milk stout, and um, yeah, okay, not not bad. Definitely palatable. Mine, I can't even remember what mine was now. It's like a some kind of a pale ale. It doesn't taste good anymore. It tasted good <laughs> for a while at first. It doesn't taste good anymore. Um, but it was Hell a fun experience. Like you want to drink fresh. A stout, you can kind of age a little bit more. Yeah, makes sense. And and ours were the kits. Like, and it was also for my 30th birthday. Um, 
Yeah. So AJ, you should start a brewery. I'm gonna start now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm Dude. gonna start now, and then every every other week I'm gonna hit you with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Just it tells keep, you keep, keep hitting him until he does it. We haven't we haven't brewed it. We haven't done it again since then. And that was gonna, the easy. We did it the easy way. So I'm gonna send you another kit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've got one. My my mother in law bought me a, like a refill pack for that craft a brew kit. Um, so I just gotta just commit and do it one day. But we gotta get that snowball rolling, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Pushing it. Let me focus on one one passion project at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I, I know we read at one point you you won an award in the Home Brewers Cup for an Imperial Stout, right? Um, so did that yeah. kind of have an impact on your decision to kind of take that passion full time? Like, did that kind of help realize like, okay, I actually am pretty good at this. So maybe we could do it. For sure. Yeah. Um, so that was actually like, uh, I think that was like the, my first year of brewing. Like it was, it was relatively fresh in my home brewing career. Um, and there's actually a pretty cool story behind that beer um we brew that beer every year now um and release it in december um so that's the keegan imperial stout and it would have been 2011 that we that i brewed that for the first time um and so the story is um i had uh so my wife was pregnant with our first child whose name is keegan um, so the beer wasn't named until, um, after it was made. Uh, no, that's not true. Well, let me back up a little bit. So I, uh, had plans to make this Imperial stout and, uh, bought all the ingredients. My wife was, uh, seven months pregnant. Um, went and got everything, got everything ready to go. And, uh, she went into labor, uh, several weeks early. Um, so I had already made the yeast starter was like planning on brewing the next day and that night uh she went into labor so went had the baby baby keegan was uh uh relatively healthy spent a couple days in the icu but um he's perfectly healthy now um so i ended up brewing that beer about a week after because i had already kind of started the process so i couldn't just like put it off too long i was like well i got this yeast it's ready to go like kind of have to you know brew this now so i ended up brewing it um entered it into a the the the, it's called the dominion cup it's the virginia state home brew competition they do it every year um there were uh 500 entries total i think overall um and keegan imperial stout won second overall it won first place in the um, stout category and second place in best of show, which was like, you know, nothing I was expecting. I was like, wow, I've only been brewing for like less than a year. And, you know, I made this beer like, it's, you know, it's pretty good, but like, you know, I never expected that. So that was kind of, and that was kind of like the, the point where I was like, well, you know, maybe I could like turn this into a career. Like I, you know, at least somewhat know what I'm doing if I can, you know, make a beer that, can win a comp or you know get second in a competition with that many entries um yeah so so we so we make that beer every year now and we release it on keegan's birthday which is december 29th um man and that's I've, cool, dude. I've i've since had two boys 
after Keegan. Um, and they started, once they were able to talk, they started asking why she had a beer named after her and they didn't. So now we have, um, now we barrel age, um, the Keegan to make, uh, the Jameson, which is very confusing because people always, you know, think of oh, barrel age Jameson. Oh, you barrel age it in a Jameson barrels. Like, no, right, right. Like it's not, that's that, coincidence. That is what he was named after, but it is not the barrel that the beer is, um, aged in i would love to and i've actually looked into like getting a jameson barrel to age it in but like i don't think you can get them i mean you can get them but like it's not like they don't they don't have a lot of those jameson barrels over here a lot of, they're mostly over in ireland so to yeah. get one, to get one over here um wouldn't be the easiest or cheapest thing to do i bet you one day i'll probably get a jameson barrel hopefully and uh and age it in there and then cal our youngest um his beer has kind of been like changed quite a bit because we the first time we did his we did it as a sour stout um so we actually took the final runnings of the keegan imperial stout which basically means like trying not to get too technical here but like the leftovers of the running so you know when we when we brew we you know put all the hot water in with all the grains mix it all up and then you take that water or the it's called wort at that point once it absorbs the sugar and you move it into the kettle and boil it. Well, what's left over in there, there's still some sugar because there's still grains in there, but it's like a lot weaker. Yeah. So what we did was we took that leftover basically and made a sour stout with that. Um, and it's like 5% as opposed to 10.5%, which the Keegan is. Um, we did that once. And then the second time we tried to do the sour cow, we uh, screwed it up and had the um, temperature uh, the temperature controller on the tank was never turned on so oh, wow. it got way too hot yeast got out of control ruined the beer so I was like alright well we need to do like something else with the cow so we ended up getting a different barrel and putting it in that barrel to do a second barrel aged beer turns out people are more excited about barrel aged beers than they are about sour stouts anyways Yeah, surprise there um, so now we're just, now we're doing the Keegan is just the, uh, Imperial stout. And this year we're doing, um, uh, just two this year and last year, we're just doing like two different types of bourbon barrels, um, for the Jameson and the cow. So we already, we already released and went through the, um, Jameson this year, and then we'll be releasing the cow in the fall. Um, as that, that's going to sit for a couple more months in the bourbon barrel. Are all of your techniques self-taught? Uh, I mean, internet self-taught. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do a lot of research, but like I, you know, I don't have any formal training, if that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it sounds like you've done a pretty great job just kind of figuring things out on your own. A lot of people that we talk to have gone through like apprenticeships or, um, you know, legitimate <clears throat> you know, uh, either college courses or legitimate trainings mm -hmm. or something like that. And it sounds like you're just, you're just figuring things out as you go, but you're doing it. You're actually doing it. Yeah. We actually, yeah, I mean, by the time um, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I was gonna say, we interviewed uh, Andy Rathman at uh, St. George brewing recently. And we yeah. actually asked him that question. We're like, what, what advantage or disadvantage do you think there is to like 
doing formal training as opposed to people who come up through home brewing and he was like absolutely none he was like people who homebrew <laughs> and these more modern brewers he's like they come up with you know they're more experimental they they come up with all these wild ideas <clears throat> and like it's so true man like people you can learn anything you want on the internet these days yeah, right. and like i mean obviously your beer speaks for itself i'm, I'm drinking actually right now while, while we're talking about it, the supernova um from random row highly recommend you guys check this one out i had the mosaic up in the poll as well and i, I was kind of i was hoping kind of the mosaic one because i'm a huge mosaic fan there it is kevin's got it right there and mosaic has won a few different awards also so i was kind of hoping that the pull the polls pulled through for me but they uh everyone voted for supernova which i mean i'm not mad about it because it's it's delicious um for a guy like myself who's all about the hops this has a excellent blend of hops in it and it's i mean it, it tastes delicious so kudos to you man appreciate it i know i'm kind of going off of the you know the the list that we had sent over but i'm i'm just very curious because i've never asked anybody how to make a sour and you've just explained that you've made a sour sour which i've never had before could you give us like yeah, the cliff too notes? many of those out there <laughs> right right yeah could you give us like the how do you do it right the the cliff notes on how to make a sour stout what is the magical trick to make a a sour so there's there's different ways that you can do it um there's the more traditional way and then there's what's called kettle sours um so kettle sours well we'll start with traditional sours because we don't make traditional sours um traditional sours you're actually souring the beer in the fermenter so you're going through the process of mashing boiling cooling putting it into a fermenter and then you're adding yeast and bacteria um the problem with that or not necessarily the problem but the the logistical um complicating factor there is that you're left with a live culture beer so you actually have live bacteria in the beer which is a problem if you want to put a non-bacteria beer on that tank or in that draft line or anything that that beer is touching. So you're you're dealing with a contamination factor um, with live sours. So that's why a lot of times you'll see like you know you won't necessarily see a lot of live sours on tap, but you'll see them in bottles. You'll see them bottle aged, um, and those those beers will actually age well. They will develop character um, with aging just because it's alive. The, the beer is alive. There's live um, bacteria in there. Um, so at Random Row, we're kind of limited because we don't really have the resources to have all that separate um, space, separate tanks, separate lines for that. So that's, that's why you'll see a lot of places, or you know, every now and then you'll see a place that has like a sour house, like in Charlottesville, um, Three Notch Brewing Company, they had a sour house where that's where they made their sour beers. And then like they made all their other beers in a completely different location because, you know, you don't want to cross contaminate because then you end up with all your beers are sour beers and you don't necessarily want that all the time. Yeah, um, right. So kettle sours, is kind of like the, the fast way of making a sour beer. Um, and you're taking out the, uh, the contamination factor. So with a kettle sour beer, you're mashing, same as you will, and then you're going to move all the wort into the boil kettle. Um, 
we um, bring, we'll then bring that wort up to a boil for just for five minutes, just to kind of um, to pasteurize the, the beer to kill anything that might be in there initially. Um, and then we cool it down to about 100 degrees. Then we add the bacteria to the kettle, so the boil kettle, and we'll let that sit for a couple of days. So typically we'll, we'll, you know, add the, we'll inoculate the wort um, on a Friday and then we'll come back on Monday. And, you know, that in that three days that um, the bacteria will have done its thing, we'll check the pH, the pH will be down to where we want it to be, and then we boil it. So boil it, kills everything. Everything's dead. Oh, so that stops the, so that stops the souring then once you boil it. Stops the souring, yeah. So the bacteria have already produced that lactic acid. It's already soured the beer. You already got a tart wort at that point, but you don't want any of that going anywhere past the kettle. So you boil it, then process it the same way you would add your yeast. Um, and you're, you've got a, you know, a, a beer that's sour, but doesn't have bacteria in it. Okay. So, so did you do the initial, um, before you added the, the specific bacteria that you wanted in there, you did a boil before that, and then you let it sit with the bacteria for a few days. And then you did the second boil to stop the, Mm -hmm. to stop the lactic acid from, from continuing to process. Okay. Gotcha. So you can add hops then afterwards. And just like you would normally boil it for an hour, you do that after the bacteria have done their thing. And that would help it from becoming infected, I guess, again. and It and... kills everything, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I've never actually had somebody explain that to me, so thank you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so if you have like a, like Gosa's, uh, Berliner Weiss, those are the two like, you know, pretty popular styles that are generally produced in that method. Uh, but if you have like a complex, like, you know, sour that... Uh, you know, really like really puckers. Like you, you can tell the difference. Like, a you know, a, a kettle sour is definitely very kind of like single dimensional. Like, yeah, it's tart. It hits you right here. But if you have like a, a traditionally soured beer, like it's very complex. Like, you, you know, got a lot of different, but then, you know, you're, you're taking months and months, if not years for that to like develop. So, yeah, I had a, yeah. I had, um, a goza from it was the super eight i think it was um dogfish head did it if i remember correctly and it was very light and so like when i've been mm-hmm. talking about them you know during the podcast i say like anybody that's just getting into this like start with a goza and don't go straight to like a farmhouse ale or like right. drink the brewery you know tarot or you know that line of of sure. uh of beers because it's you know, for even, even me, I had one this past weekend and I was like, I haven't had a sour in a while. I'm yeah, not on my game right now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, just, I, I, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, I, I always tell people like when they come in like, Oh, it's a sour. Like, I don't know. Like, and I like to, our sours, I typically like to describe as being tart. I feel like tart is like a less like strong word than sour you know like uh, it's got like yeah. a nice tartness to it um it's definitely the yeah, gosas and berliners are definitely like the entry level sour beers um for sure nice um, yeah you see a lot, you've seen a lot of like uh fruited sours out there now too like where 
you know, it's just a ton of fruit in there and, you know, the background is a little tart. I mean, that, yeah, those are the type of beers that you can, and then there's like a wide range of like where you can go from there as far as, you know, the complex sours out there. Yeah. Reese, you had a, uh, the Firestone Walker Breta Tangerine, literally like your face crunched up, whatever, whatever they, whatever they did with that one, it definitely got a hold of you. Yeah. So I assume that (laughs) That wasn't a kettle. I would have, you know, now that I understand the difference, you know, it's uh Was it in like a big 22-ounce bottle or something? Um, That one wasn't actually in – it was in its own separate bottle. Um, I couldn't buy it as like a four-pack or a six-pack or anything, but it wasn't a – it wasn't um the large format. It was, uh, so it was like a single 12-ounce bottle? Yeah, it was, it oh, was yeah. like this kind of. Yeah. yeah, you paid like 12 bucks for it or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was not made. That was not made in two weeks. That that, that was probably uh, took a lo- little bit longer and a little more effort to make. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably it was. It was good. It was just the first, the first sip. It's like taking a sip of liquor. You know, you got to get past yeah. that first uh, that initial you, bite. Yeah, you adjust to it a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, so we talked about Charlottesville a little bit earlier and how you're close to the school and, and things like that. I've been through Charlottesville. My wife and I actually even considered moving to Charlottesville at one point just because it's got such a like big city, but also small town vibe at the same time. Like we're from, I told you before we started the show, we're from Lexington area, Buena Vista, Virginia, really small town. And so moving out here to Virginia Beach, it's like, you know, t- for us, this is a big city, right? And well, it was at first. I mean, we've obviously normalized since 2012, but, um, you know, looking at now, especially we're in this remote working environment and we could kind of move wherever we want to. We've actually considered moving to Charlottesville because it's, it's such a nice quaint sort of area, but also like a lot of stuff there, a lot of breweries, cideries, wineries, stuff to do for the kids. But I'm curious, like what's the brewing community like there, you know, beer culture in terms of like people, who enjoy drinking the beer, but also like how close knit is the brewing community? Because you guys are really a really short drive away from the Brew Ridge trail, which has a tons of, a ton of breweries on there. And I feel like people are just kind of popping up all over the area. Is it becoming a, a pretty good scene there? Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, you know, I, I was telling you earlier that I grew up in Virginia beach and uh, you know, we, when I, so I, before I came to Charlottesville, um, we lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years and, um, my job in healthcare brought me to Charlottesville. Um, and it was always going to be like a one year, two year plan. And we we're like, oh, until we can you know, get back to Virginia beach. And, uh, we were here for a year and we we're like, kind of like it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we can stay here. Like, this is a pretty cool city. Like this would be a great place to raise kids. Um, so we love Charlottesville. Yeah. I mean, this place is awesome and you know, I, I couldn't think of a better place to, to set up our business here. Um, brewing community has been awesome. Um, you know, from, from the home brewing community when I first started brewing here and just like the, we have, um, a, it's called camera, the Charlottesville area masters of real ale, um, homebrew club that has a, a pretty big, uh, group, um, that, that get together once a month and, share each other's beers and talk about beer and, you know, sharing experiences and things like that. Um, and you know, when I, when I, uh, I, I kind of met some of the, 
the guys, the brewers here through that. Um, and just, you know, visiting breweries and like everyone's like just so welcoming. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's probably like this in, you know, most places, but, um, just getting to, to know the brewers here before I even started the brewery. And, um, we now have the Charlottesville Ale Trail. Um, so it's kind of like the Brewage Trail, but in Charlottesville. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a group where, you know, all the Charlottesville breweries kind of get together every now and then and. Um, we have uh, an app now where you can, you know, go from brewery to brewery and, you know, check in at each one. And if you go to each one, you get like, a, you know, some stupid little, you know, trinket prize. But it's like, you know, whatever. I'm going to go to all the breweries just to get this keychain bottle opener, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when I when we started Random Row, like, um, you know, I obviously had never done you know, any kind of commercial brewing before. So like all this was new to me, like the concepts are all the same. It all makes sense to me, but like, you know, I'm dealing with these 200 gallon, you know, tanks and brew kettles as opposed to five gallons that I'm used to. So, um, you know, I had several times where I had something going on and I'd just like make a phone call to, you know, one of the guys down the street, be like, Hey man, like, I need you to come over here and <laughs> help me with this because I don't know what's going on. And, you know, it, it, it's just, there's it's a tight-knit community here. I mean, you know, we're obviously competitors, and we all understand that. So, you know, there's there's that. But, like, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of all in it together. We we understand that we're, it's like, you know, we're trying to build up, uh, you know, craft beer. And, you know, we kind of feel like if we can all do well that, like, you know, one of us does well it kind of can raise us all up and um you know we're in that sense like you know it's it's we're, we're all very uh willing to help each other out um we haven't actually been able to do like collaborations much lately um just with everything that's been going on but um we've done a lot of collaborations with all the, the local breweries around here as well so um yeah it, it's a great it's a great community here as far as that goes nice that's cool um it's good to see you guys working together and yeah i mean that's kind of uh i feel like you can see that and like historically people helping each other out you know everybody benefits from it and you know there's always that competitiveness but yeah you know um just getting the whole area better is is probably going to benefit everyone in the long run so that's really cool um so we read on your website um <clears throat> you know, that one of your core values is supporting local and, you know, certainly the name Random Row kind of lends itself uh, to that historical roots. It sounds like you being involved in, in the community uh, with the other breweries, it lends itself to that. So what kind of strategy or approach do you guys take to honor that value? Are all of your ingredients sourced locally? Uh, so we, not, not all of our ingredients are sourced locally. Um, so for one, like hops are kind of, I think it's fair to say impossible to um, source locally here. Um, you know, the majority of uh, American hops are grown in the Pacific Northwest. They're now starting to be grown more like in the Midwest. Um, climate in Virginia, they're, they're, they're trying to start growing hops in Virginia and they are growing some now, but the climate here is just not um, ideal for, for growing hops. Um, we do work with... Um, a local maltster, um, Murphy and Rude, and they actually, um, they're actually in, um, Charlottesville. 
um, and they uh, they source their um, grain locally, Virginia, some North Carolina now, um, but it's all malted in Charlottesville. Um, so our method IPA, um, we use exclusively um, local malt in. Um, it's still it's still kind of a challenge um, as far as pricing goes to to go local completely local just because they're you know it's, it is a little more expensive to to use the local malt um, so we you know we when we do some one-offs we'll we'll use local malt um, but for our like bigger um, beers that we're distributing um, we're sourcing that from like you know most of the um, U.S. grain that we're sourcing is from the Midwest um, as well. But again, like Makes Virginia, sense. you know, Virginia is definitely like kind of stepping it up and um, putting money into, um, you know, uh, funding um, programs that are going to develop um, locally grown uh, malt and uh, and hops as well. So like there's hope for the future that like we'll be able to, there'll be more access to locally grown uh, Virginia products. Um, we, we use uh, our yeast we get from a, uh, they're actually up in Northern Virginia, um, bright um, Jasper yeast uh, labs. Um, so we source, we do source our yeast um, locally or that's yeah, the one locally. That's, um, that's, that's actually right around the corner from me. That's, I'm pretty sure it's like, okay, not even ten miles away. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah? I forget the the city that they're in, but um, yeah, I know they're up that way. North for me, it's like Northern Virginia. It's all Northern Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing that I didn't realize before we talked to <clears throat> also another maltster, Sebastian from Epiphany Craft Malts, is like how much like buying from a local maltster supports like local farmers and <clears throat> those farmers support like so it's all this like giant inter interchained like web of yeah of businesses which is so cool to like think about mm -hmm. so when you think about like I, I i reference again from lexington virginia devil's backbone has a an outpost there in lexington and so i toured their brewery and they talked about how the grains they use um, the spent grains essentially get sent back to farmers in that area where they're using the water from that area. So if I drink a devil's backbone brew now, I like I'm, I'm drinking the water from my hometown. I'm supporting farmers back. So it's just cool <laughs> to think about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when people <clears throat> seem like really snobby about drinking craft beer and they're like, I'd rather drink craft beer versus like, you know, Anheuser-Busch, even though I know Anheuser-Busch now owns Devil's Backbone, but just an example. Um, it's cool yeah. to support local by buying something like Random Row to know you're supporting, you know, a smaller community of people, especially in a time like now when you've got COVID and yeah. that just screws up everything. So um, super cool to, to hear about. Yeah, we actually like, um, so talking about spent grains, we, we have our spent grains picked up by... Uh, a farmer as well um and it's funny because at one point he was doing a he he would go to like the farmer's markets and like you know sell his you know pork and at one point he was doing um like a little trailer and he came to the brewery once and like was selling like his you know sandwiches with pork and we we're like well this pork came from a pig who ate the spent grains 
of the beer that you're drinking right now. Think about that. Oh man, full circle, like circle of life. Full circle. Yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's so cool, man. <laughs> it is. It's really cool. Um, crack, crack up my mosaic here. Nice. So, <clears throat> you know, it sounds like you've you've come up with some creative um, new beers and had a lot of success. Can you walk us through the process of brewing a completely new beer from concept to canning? How long does it take? And, you know, how do you know when you have a winner? I'm not the one that decides if it's a winner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, so, you know, when when we're deciding to make a new beer, we probably, you know, I guess like probably every other month at this point we can make a new beer it was kind of fun in the beginning like when we first opened because like every beer was a new beer so it was like every time we made a beer it was a new beer and it was great and now it's like you know we make a beer and be like oh you have to make that beer again we're like okay yeah, we'll yeah. make that beer again oh you got to make this beer again all right we'll make that beer again and then it's like all right well like we do you want us to make any new beers because like everyone's asking to us to make the beers that we've already made before um so it the the older the brewery gets like the the le- it seems like the less often times you get to like make new beers because you got to make the beers that you've made before that people want to bring back right. um but so like a lot of things come in go into factor when you're like when we're deciding to make a new beer so like i do the calendar i'll go on the calendar and be like all right we need to make more mosaic we need to make you know seasonal like we, it's time for half of bison it's time or, you know, we have to make our Maybach because it's almost May. Um, and then every now and then there's like, all right, we need to make something here. Like, well, what are we going to make? Like, oh, maybe we can make a new beer. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, I'm like, all right, well, what are we going to make? Like, what, let's look at the menu. What do we have? Like, is there a hole in the menu that we need? Like something dark or something sour or something, a lager? Um so find 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 something that'll fill that hole, um, and then just kind of look at you know if there are any trends. Like I, I like to kind of you know keep keep with the trends, like what's what people are drinking. Um, obviously, I want to make something that people are going to want to drink. It's kind of important, um, right? So you know at that point, pick out a style, really go with the style, and then. Um, you know, come up with a malt, which is, in my opinion, don't let my, you know, local maltster hear me say this, but like, that's the easy part. Like, you know, it's just malt. <laughs> come up with something. Um, and then, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's an IPA, then we're actually brewing a new beer Friday. Um, that's a, it's going to be a new, uh, New England IPA where I decided to, just go with like an experimental hop. So we're going to be using a hop that I've never used before. And, uh, I had to come up with a label for it and a description description for a beer that I've never made (laughs) or tasted, obviously. (laughs) That's a little bit of a chat. That can be a challenge when you're like, you know, trying to describe it before you've even made it. Yeah. Um, Is it an unnamed hop? You said experimental. Yeah. So it's uh, code names. It's currently uh, HBC 586, I believe, nice. is the name of it. Um, so it's the hop breeding company. They just give it a number. Yeah. Um, and then if it if it 
succeeds well enough, it gets a it gets a trademark name. Um, but just reading the description of it, I was like, oh, that sounds sounds like a pretty cool hop. Let's try it and yeah. see how it goes. Um, so um, and I can come back to that because that that's kind of a cool story um, of what that beer is going to be like. But I'll finish the answering your question. Um, so you know, at that point, we're like. Once we've come up with a recipe, we're probably two weeks out from brewing it because we have to get the ingredients. Um, so, um, get order all the ingredients, get them in, brew the beer, uh, and then you're talking two or three weeks um, for the beer to, to be finished. Um, so, I'd say, like, you know, minimum one month from concept to draft, and typically it's probably more like two months. Okay. Um, to, to get it all, to get it on the schedule, get everything ordered, get it brewed, get it finished, um, and get it, get it, uh, in kegs or cans. Nice. So awesome. during that process, I'm sure you have somebody that designs the cans for you pretty, uh, pretty much and gets that all, yeah, so all uh, worked out. That's, yeah, that's the other hard part is like, you know, coordinating with our designer. So we have a designer who, does all of our cans um and you know i'm like you're you're the you're the creative one like just like make something cool <laughs> but like <laughs> designers don't like you to say that <laughs> they want you to give them a little bit more like you know direction right so then you know i get together with my team you know our small team of uh, uh the guys at the brewery uh, guys and girls at the brewery and try and kind of come up with a concept um, and we sent it to our designer. Um, so we, so the beer that we're doing Friday, we have not yet quite fine. We've almost finalized the label, but not quite finalized it. Um, so it, this is, we're calling this turn the page IPA. Um, it was kind of like a COVID themed, um, you know, moving on to the next thing. Hopefully things are getting better kind of like themed uh, beer, um, but then we incorporated the experimental hop idea. So what we're doing with this beer is um, the label is just going to be, it's just going to say like we were using experimental hops for this beer, um, and each each time we make this beer, it's going to be with a different experimental hop. Um, and what we're going to do is on the bottom of the can. So you, you know, if you look on the bottom of the cans. I don't want. I can't tip too much because uh, there you go. You can see. Yeah, you, okay. you see. Always see the date <laughs> printed on the bottom of the can. So we we always like kind of put something fun underneath the, the date. I don't know if you look in your. Look, what's on the bottom of uh, Supernova or Windswell? What does it say? Does it say uh, anything let's on see. either Supernova. Those? This one does not. Canned on L three. That's a date and time. Let's see Windswell. Does say anything? Says, oh, it says get vaccinated. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. you know, we always like, we try and put something like fun underneath it. So, what we're going to do with the turn of the page is we're going to write the name of the experimental hop on there so that we don't have to change the label every time we make a new beer. But, I mean, it'll be the same beer just with a different hop. And it's going to say, like, see the bottom of the can for the hop variety used in this beer. This says the same um, thing, just so people know. Mosaic says the same thing. Get vaccinated. It says, get vaccinated. <laughs> and then if, if the 
if the hop turns out well, you should write into HBC and tell them to call it papyrus for turn the page. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. The virus. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if that would um, be good marketing or not. I don't know. <laughs> I think he, I think he said papyrus. Papyrus. Um, yeah, which can design brings me to Windswell, which is the one that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago, which yeah. has an awesome. So kudos to your designer. I don't know if it's, is it a freelance designer or you work with an agency or you don't have to tell us who it is, but. So we worked with an agency and now we are working with her as a freelance on a freelance awesome. basis. Yeah. Well, kudos to her. She's does an awesome job. I, I love the, the can design. Windswell is my favorite by far so far. Uh, and when we talked about it, we beer talked about or label, um, <laughs> or both <laughs> label for sure. It's a close tie right now between this and supernova. That was delicious. I really yeah, liked that a lot. You, you like the um, double, you like the double IPAs. I'm a big IPA guy for sure. Yeah. But this can design is awesome. We talked about the tattoo thing and I was like, this mm. looks like a cool, this could be a tat, a good tattoo idea, right? The waves and stuff. And I heard, so it, it, that's what sparked the conversation. Apparently you used to be a surfer, which led to kind of the inspiration or mm-hmm. used to be, I guess you're never not a surfer once you are a surfer. So, um, yes, <laughs> I, I guess in Charlottesville, like it's kind of hard, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so any any new tattoo inspiration from your beer? I mean, I want to uh, know where I want to know where you thinking like I, I've been I, I kind of stole when you said that I was like, oh, that would be a cool tattoo. And I'm like, well, where would yeah. it go? Like how did it, like I haven't I haven't figured that part out yet. That's the hard part. Um, well, I've already got I've already got some wave action here on my arm. Uh, it's kind of hard to see. OK, here, but that nice big wave and mountains. Oh, in yeah. The yeah. There's mountains in there too. Like yeah, it's the just ocean it's and kind mountains. Of, mm-hmm. Symbolize that I'm from the mountains and now I live at the ocean or at the, at the on the coast. So kind of cool. Oh, okay, but, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Did you get that done in Virginia Beach? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we can talk nice. about tattoo shops if you want to, since if you ever travel <laughs> back here. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it seems like you, you kind of talked about this already, but it seems like so much of owning and operating a brewery, especially for you, like you're doing dual careers. Essentially you're working still a couple of days at the hospital, but also running a business. Like so much of that comes from feeding your passion essentially. But at the end of the day, you're also running a business. So we've kind of talked about creative, unique beers and things like that. Um, is there anything in particular that helps, you know, you remain competitive with the beer landscape and like, has that changed at all over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, dude, craft beer is so competitive right now. <clears throat> when we, you know, when we first started, we were like, we don't want to get into distribution. Like, we want to build a model where we can just have our tap room and make tons of money and retire in five years because we're making so much money selling craft beer. <laughs> yeah. It didn't quite work out that way. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we started distributing. Um, we started distributing about a year after, uh, a year and a half after we opened up. Um, did all draft. We just started doing cans um, about a year ago. Um, actually, timing worked out pretty well because it was like right before COVID hit. We were canning. 
I mean, that couldn't have been a better timing. <laughs> but I mean, just like we we didn't really want to do distribution because we knew, you know, how much competition there was out there. There's so many, so many beers, so many good beers, so many good Virginia beers, so many good Charlottesville beers out there. Um, fortunately, there's also a lot of people that like beer out there. And there's a lot of people out there that want to try different beers. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the average person now is less likely to go to the grocery store and buy the same beer every time they're going to go see what, you know, try something new. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you got to make your product stand out, you know, among hundreds of, of other products. Um, you know, Wegmans is, we have a Wegmans in Charlottesville and that's like our biggest, um, retailer right now. And I, every time I go to Wegmans, I'm like, God, there's like so many beers here. Oh, um, yeah. And fortunately they sell a ton of beer. So like, you know, <laughs> we get a good portion of that. Um, but like, you know, like you said, label design is huge. Like you've got to like, I know so many people that just like, I pick a beer based on its label. Like if it's a cool label, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, they might not buy it again if the beer sucks, but like if the beer is like (laughs) decent, they're probably going to buy it again because it has a really cool label. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there's just so many factors in like you can make the best beer out there and if no one knows it's there, like you're not going to, you're not going to do well. Um, So it's challenging to kind of stay relevant and, you know, make people know that you're there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like a constant, you just have to constantly be working on, you know, getting your name out there and getting people to, um, to see you. So it's, yeah. it's a big challenge. Um, that's why, you know, I'll be happy when, you know, we can get the taproom business back to where it's going I and mean, we're going to continue to push distribution obviously because, you know, there's no ceiling to that. You know, we can only have a certain number of people in our tap room, but you know, the sky's the limit with distribution. So, um, we're really hoping to, um, to grow that side of the business and we're hoping to bring back the tap room side of the business to, to where it was pre COVID and, uh, beyond. Hopefully. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Right. Everybody's yeah. kind of crossing their fingers, just kind of hoping, all these vaccines get out there and we can get through this. Yeah. And I mean, and, it, go ahead. Go ahead, Adrian. Uh, I was just, I was just going back to the label thing on, and, and being competitive and getting people to notice you and things like that. Like literally I, I work in marketing. So like visuals is a big thing for me. And obviously in this like social media economy that we live in, I mean, obviously look at our Instagram page. You'll see we, I take a picture of basically every single, every single beer I drink and post it. Obviously, I have a, we have a craft beer podcast, so it makes sense. But people, <laughs> even just beer enthusiasts, there are so many beer enthusiasts on Instagram that just photograph every beer they take, uh, every beer they drink, rather. And, uh, you know, label design is one of the biggest influential factors in what makes people grab something off the shelf. Even we have Wegmans as well. That's one of my main go-tos for craft beer and uh, trying new mm-hmm. stuff. And I took my – well, my whole family goes there. My four, My five-year-old – one day we're walking through. He's like, dad, you should get that one. That's got a sweet chameleon design on it. I don't remember what the brewery <laughs> was, but it had this awesome chameleon, like 
foil label on it and he he loves like mm-hmm. in, any kind of lizards or amphibians he's like you should get that one for me and i was like okay cool yeah i'll get it i don't remember what it so was it wasn't that, good <laughs> it wasn't that great honestly i don't think i'll get it again but at least he was happy that you i picked bought it up. that one four pack yeah it was a four pack yeah so yep. um but you guys have great design so kudos again to your to your designer for sure yep. and um so yeah, and then, and then again, like, like you said, if the product isn't there, you can have the best design in the world, but if your beer sucks, you're not going back for it. And I think yeah. you guys have a pretty good combo, man. I think you got great design, and your beer is uh, pretty pretty excellent. So I I think it's great. Thanks. So um, we're we've we've pretty much hit our hour, but I I got one more question i think we got a couple more yeah i know right (laughs) always goes fast it really does um so if you could just quickly give us um you know what is one piece of advice you would give someone who's thinking about starting their own brewery or thinking about making a career change to get into the industry do your research i mean it's it's all about like you know this is a business like i i knew that going into this with so many people that love brewing that want to turn a career into it like i so when i when we first started the brewery i was the only pretty much the only employee we had some bartenders but like i did all the brewing um and like now i i've thankfully gotten to the point where i have two um assistant brewers or brewers assistant brewers because I'm busy running the business. You know, it's like, that's what, that's what you're doing when you're starting a brewery, you're opening a business. You're not brewing as a career. You know, if you want to do that, you go get a job, you know, at the local brewery down the street as a, as a brewer. Um, it's a commitment, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, I have no regrets. Like I love every minute of it. Um, I've kind of enjoyed the transition from like, just brewing to doing more like, you know, growing the business while, you know, managing, um, the business and not actually doing all the, the brewing. Um, but I think just like knowing what you're getting into, um, is, is the biggest thing. Cause you get to see so many people that just like, you know, start a brewery and don't really know what they're getting into. And, and, you know, you're going to be disappointed if you, if you, think that it's just going to be brewing beer and you know making money (laughs) yeah um so but it's fun it's it's a lot of fun i never i never you know before this i never really saw myself as a businessman but um i kind of like kind of like it and uh yeah i'm i'm learning so much you know along the way and uh you know i i hope that i can continue you know, learning more and, and growing the business. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. So do your research, make sure you understand that it's not going to be a walk in the park and it's, it's a yeah. business and, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, gotcha. Right. Be prepared. Can't just yeah. make what you want to drink. You got to make what everyone else wants to drink, which most of the time is what I want to drink. But like, you know, every now and then I make something where like, I'm not drinking any of that, but everyone else is going <laughs> to drink it, but I'm not drinking it. So you gotta, like you gotta, that, uh, you gotta, you know, not be so hard headed to where you're only gonna make what you want to drink. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's in in today's beer 
uh, world. There's some interesting stuff out there, man. A lot of interesting mm-hmm. stuff. I I don't remember even. I was just in Total Wine a couple of days ago to make to to pick up some random row, make sure I had some for the show. And I, you see yeah. some crazy stuff every time you go in there. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so. I mean, I guess you, you kind of already talked about Turn the Page, the, the New England IPA you guys are brewing this week. Beyond mm-hmm. that, anything that we should look out for? Any any upcoming releases, events, things like that? I mean, the big thing I'm working on right now, like, did I also tell you that I'm a restaurateur? I don't know if I mentioned that. No, no you didn't mention that. I've seen okay. a lot of food on your page, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we're we're working on uh, we're going to be opening up a, a pizza restaurant in the brewery. Um, no so way. we're partnering awesome. partnering with Billy Pie. So I, I believe that they are. I don't know if this is like common knowledge or not. I don't know how many if, if the wrong person is listening to this or not. But I believe he's working with on uh, making a deal with maybe O'Connor out in Norfolk. Oh, wow. But so there, it's a company based out of richmond um if, have you guys been to triple crossing in richmond the uh, fulton location uh triple crossing so they've got a pizza joint in there that's billy pie um he also has a spot at basic city in waynesboro on the other side of the mountain from us um so we're partnering with him we've got a pizza oven a brick oven pizza that's in the in the brewery right now that we're working on getting installed and we're hoping to have that uh, up and running next month. So um, that's been taking up most of my time um, the last couple of weeks. So we're going to be going from a, a taproom brewery to a brew pub uh, restaurant. Um, we'll have brick oven pizzas um, hopefully sometime in April. Um, so that's the big thing that we're working on that we're we're gonna be announcing probably next week um so it's kind of a sneak preview um to you guys but uh, awesome we'll be announcing cool. it to the public next week so kind of exciting well, we've got uh yeah beer wise uh you know we we release new beers you know like i said new new beers once a month or every other month but then we kind of bring back um seasonal stuff pretty regularly so um uh trying to think if there's anything we've got our uh grapefruit grapefruit uh ipa coming out next week is the newest oh man release that we've got coming so we do that we that haven't done that good. one in a while but that one's uh been pretty popular so and that'll be distributed to like uh, total wine and whatnot or uh maybe it might it might come to so we have a distributor out in hampton roads um he actually supplies the uh, total wine out there you do you guys just have the one total wine out there in, all right i'm talk, uh, talking to you aj because you have the laskin i don't think i don't think it's going to be up in northern virginia because that's okay. a different distributor um our virginia beach distributor does kind of get some one-off stuff um, that goes to total wine. So like you wouldn't have supernova in Northern Virginia, but you've got it in Virginia beach. Mm-hmm. So you might see the grapefruit method IPA in, uh, Virginia beach, but you probably won't see it. You, you won't see it in Northern Virginia. Okay. Yeah. And then we've got, um, our, we've got our, our sour that we're brewing next week. We're calling it sour wop. Um, it's a white peach, apricot, pineapple, 
uh oh, man. sour so <laughs> that sounds so good too so is that you a pop just, culture uh, reference just google what what does wop mean no don't. Oh. no don't no <laughs> don't oh, no white peach apricot pineapple is what it means that's okay. what it means okay yeah <laughs> okay white apricot peach pineapple we'll, oh, go, with that. we'll go with that <laughs> um that's great i can't wait till everything opens back up and i can travel back down there because yeah. i'd love to come down there and grab a beer and a pie that'd be yeah, awesome man. it's yeah. gonna be so weird like seeing people sitting at a bar like it's right gonna be weird yeah it yeah, will be just like but i can't wait we've, we've <laughs> yeah. interviewed so many people now so many different brewers and like we just want to i wish we could do this in person like we need to get the gear we need to get rid of the masks and the COVID mm-hmm. and uh, do these things in person because it'd be awesome just to join you guys for some, some beers in person, obviously, but yeah. Um, we can do it soon. Yeah, yeah. So everyone out there, keep your eyes open for the, for the, uh, what, say it one more time. What was it? Um, Billy's sour pies. <laughs> well, sour wop and the pizza what was the pizza called again. Billy pie, Billy pie, Billy pie. Billy awesome. pie. Yeah. All right. Billy pie. Nothing pairs better with beer than pizza. Maybe chicken wings, yeah. but also pizza. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And turn pretty, the page coming out next right. week. So turn the page. That should be nice. awesome. But that you guys should both have access to that one. Cool. The turn right. the page. I'll keep an eye out. I will definitely pick it up. So I guess that uh, that brings us to the end here. So um, if you're local to Charlottesville or just passing through, make sure to check out Random Row Brewing. It's in Charlottesville. If you want to learn more about Random Row Brewing Company and uh, see what they're pouring, head to randomrow.com or check them out on Instagram at randomrowbrewing. Anything else you want to plug uh, while we're here? You covered everything pretty good there. That was awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Cool. Have fun, man. Thanks so much for joining us. And for everyone out there listening, thanks again for checking us out for another episode. Uh, Make sure you head to our YouTube channel to check out our beer reviews, including the Windswell from Random Row Brewing. And stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have more of their beers on soon. And then until then, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Cheers.